open your Bible, please, to the book of Hebrews. We have been studying the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and in just a moment we will get to that chapter again. I have a number of passages that I would like to give you this morning. And uh, if you want to follow along in the Bible and open, you may. I'm going to do it rather quickly until we get to the book, to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for all that we've experienced this morning, the singing of the choir, the wonderful messages and song, the hymns, just the togetherness of God's people. We pray Thou wilt lift loads and brighten roads, and we're grateful that burdens are lifted at Calvary. We pray that somebody in this place or who has tuned in by radio, who has never trusted Jesus, never been saved, that this will be God's hour of victory. And that every believer will have our faith deepened as the Holy Spirit ministers to us. Cleanse us from sin and may the people hear beyond the words of the preacher Hear the voice of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. I want to speak this morning on the subject, faith makes the difference. Faith makes the difference. We read a number of places in the scriptures, some exceedingly difficult passages for us to translate into life action. And the message I want to bring to all of our hearts is just this simple answer, faith makes the difference. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. That's the mandate that every believer is to accept in life. We're an ambassador for Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the commission Jesus has given us. And in Acts 1, 8, Jesus said to his believers, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And again in Acts chapter 6 verses 3 and 4, the Lord said to his early church through the apostles, Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And again we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the charge to the new ch young church, the early Christian movement, concerning those men who will to serve in responsible positions. In like manner must the deacon be grave, not double-tongued, 
not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And somehow we cry out with those early Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, who is sufficient for these things? How can we do it? Ambassador for Christ, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Look out among you seven men full of the Holy Spirit, honest report, full of wisdom, so that the men of God can go on giving themselves to the preaching of the word. A great and effectual door is opened unto me, the Corinth, Paul said to the Corinthian church. There are many adversaries. And then he outlined the responsibilities and the qualifications for those men whom God would honor if they served in places of responsibility like the diaconate, grave, sober-minded, and so on. And our hearts cry out, Lord, who is sufficient for these things? How can we do that? How can we go into all the world? How can we be an ambassador for Christ? How can we be sober, grave, not double-tongued, not given to filthy lucre, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of honest report, full of wisdom? How can we give the time so that the work of God can go forward? How can we do it? And we cry out, who is sufficient for these things? How can we do it, Lord? Now, if you'll be honest, deep in your heart of hearts, you've said that. You've said it. Who is sufficient for these things? Who can do that? Why, those are just goals. Those are just high ideals that are divorced from the reality of the 20th century. We can't do it. With your Bibles open to Hebrews 11, let's read how it can be done. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 32, and what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tested, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And then look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, 
But having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We exercise faith in many ways. Faith makes the difference. When we mail a letter, we exercise faith. We write the letter, we put it in an envelope, address it, seal it, stamp it, and then we go drop it in the mailbox and we believe it's going to get to its destination. That's faith. How do you know it's going to get there? You believe in the United States postal system. That may take fewer days, may take a week. Sometimes they get lost and it takes a year. But you believe that eventually that, that letter is going to get there. Same thing when you go to the bank and deposit your money. You take your money and make out a deposit slip and put it in the bank. And you trust those bankers that they're going to do the honest thing and put that to your account. You have faith. You trust. You believe. The same thing in going to the grocery. You buy bananas and apples and you buy uh, canned goods and you buy the meat. Somebody could have slipped poison in that, but you don't usually think of that. You buy all that food and you take it home and you eat it. You don't go to a specialist and a doctor and say, now I want to have all this food x-rayed and I want to be sure that everything's all right about it. You just exercise faith in those who sell it. You go to a, a, a restaurant and they serve you food. They serve you mashed potatoes and gravy and peas and steak and uh, 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 apple, uh, uh, peach cobbler and ice cream on it. And you eat it and boy, it tastes good. You don't sit there and wonder, well, I wonder if all this is poison. You just believe the people that serve it. You see, we exercise faith in all the little things. Sometimes in big things, we get on an airplane and we trust that pilot that he's going to zoom up there. If you get on a jet, you just go almost straight up. And here you sit in there and, and you're, you go, you're pushed back against the back of the seat and you're pushed into space. And you believe that somehow up there the pilot is in charge and he's going to take care of everything and, and you're going to be all right. And after a while you're going to go down and you're going to land in Los Angeles or Chicago or Miami or somewhere. You exercise faith. You exercise belief. You go out to start your car and you just turn that little key. You know, it used to be we'd get a, a big old uh, crank. Now some of you oldies remember this. And you go out in front of that car and you'd crank, crank, crank. I learned to drive on one of those cars. And you'd crank, and you weren't careful, they'd kick you. And then so on. But now all you do is go out there and get a little key and stick it in the ignition and turn it. And it starts. You have faith in that. We exercise faith in all kinds of things. I want to submit to you, faith makes the difference. And the answer to the question, who is sufficient for these things? Who can be an ambassador? Who can take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth? Who can meet these qualifications for service to the king? By faith, they subdued kingdoms. They quenched the violence of fire. They put the mouths of lions closed by faith.
Faith makes the difference. In the scripture we read, we notice that faith made the difference in subduing kingdoms, in righteous living, in obtaining promises, in stopping the mouths of lions, in overcoming weakness, in standing by convictions, and in looking for a city. Somebody said, if there should arise one utterly believing man, the history of the world might be changed. If you have any certainties, let us hear them. We have doubts enough of our own, someone else said. Spurgeon said, O brethren, be great believers. Little faith will bring your souls to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your souls. Somebody else said, faith means this, the F forsaking A, all, I, T, trust, H, him, forsaking all, I, trust, him. That's what faith is. Faith knows that God has his moment. And in that moment, everything yields to his will. Faith can wait. If faith comes to a prison gate, she can stand without until God touches the bars and it flies open. If the enemy hurls rocks from the battlements, faith stands unmoved and unharmed. Faith knows some Jerichos need to be compassed about 14 times. And faith carries with her the word of victory to give the final shout. Somebody says the faith that honors God is number one, a faith that will believe without encouragement from others. Abraham believed God that he was going to have a son. He didn't get any encouragement from anybody else, not even his wife. But he believed God. The faith that honors God is the faith that believes God without any encouragement from anybody else. Secondly, the faith that honors God is a faith that will believe without even any encouragement from God. Do you remember the Syrophoenician woman? She came and said, Lord, uh, I have a need. And Jesus said, uh, I've come to the Jews. And she said, but, but Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus said, I've not found that kind of faith in Israel. And he ministered to her. A faith that honors God is a faith that believes without even encouragement from God, just simply lays hold of God's promise and said, God, I want this for your glory. A faith that honors God is a faith that will believe without previous experience. Noah, I want you to build an ark. An ark? What's an ark? Well, I'll tell you exactly how to build it, and I'll give you the measurements, I'll tell you what to do, and I'll tell you, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. It's going to rain. Rain? What's rain? I never heard of rain. You see, it had never rained before. But Noah believed God without any previous experience, and that faith honored God. A faith that honors God is a faith that will believe without hurrying to prove it. The nobleman of Capernaum said, Lord, I've got a son that needs healing but I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Will you just speak the word and he'll be all right? And Jesus spoke the word. And if you read the scripture carefully, the nobleman didn't rush home to see if Jesus kept his word. He just believed. 
The next day when he got there, he found out that the son had been healed. He said, now what, what time did that happen? And it happened at the exact time that Jesus spoke the word. Faith that honors God is a faith that simply lays hold of the promises of God and says, Lord, I believe. <clears throat> what is faith? Dr. John G. Patton was a missionary to the New Hybrides. He wanted to translate the Gospel of John. He worked on the manuscript for many, 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 many months. But the key word in the book of John is the word believe. It appears 90 times or more. And he couldn't find a word in the native language that meant believe. So he had to lay his manuscript aside. He was a little bit defeated in his heart. One day, a native had been out on some Christian service. He came back to Dr. Patton's house, all tired and weary and worn out, and he sat down in a chair and put his feet up on the other chair, and he said a word that meant, I am resting all my weight on this chair. Dr. Patton said, that's it. That's the word. And he translated the Gospel of John with that one word that meant, I'm resting all my weight on this. Let's try it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever resteth all of his weight upon Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Resting all of one's weight upon Jesus is the evidence of things hoped for. Acts 16.31, what must I do to be saved? Rest all your weight upon Jesus and thou shalt be saved. That's it. That's what faith is. And without faith it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Very simply, in closing, I want to give you three areas where faith really makes the difference. Number one, faith makes the difference in obtaining promises from God. Faith makes the difference in obtaining promises from God. Abraham, Abraham, God promised Abraham, I'll give you all this land and I'll make you a blessing. And you look up there at the stars and your seed will be just as multitudinous as the stars of heaven. <laughs> and Abraham was 40 years old and he didn't have a son. He was 60 years old and he didn't have a son. He was 80 years old and he didn't have a son. Somebody said, Abraham, thought you said God was going to make you a great nation. A lot of seed would come from you and you'd be, you'd have a multitude come from your loins. And Abraham said, that's true. How do you know that's true? God said it. Well, you're 80 years old. You don't even have a son. I know, but God said it. He'll take care of that. That's not my business. I just believe God. When he was nearly 100, God gave him a son. You see, faith makes the difference in taking and getting the promises of God and just simply believing Him. 
God said, uh, Joshua, I want you to march around Jericho. Now don't do it the way you want to do it. Do it the way I tell you to do it. You march around one day and then the next day go again and the next day and then the seventh day you march around seven times and blow your trumpets and uh, everything will be all right. And so uh, General Joshua got his groups together and his troops together and he said, here's the way we're going to take Jericho. We're going to go up there and march around it today. Tomorrow we're going to do the same thing. Next day, the same thing. Next day, same thing. Seventh day, we're going to march around seven days and we're going to blow our trumpets. And those guys said, Joshua, uh, General Joshua, what, what's wrong with you? Are you out of your mind or something? You mean, what do you mean just march around it? Well, they'll, they'll get us. Oh, no, Joshua said, that's what God said to do. And we're going to do it like God said to do it. And they did it just like God said to do it because they did it by faith and God gave them the promise. Faith makes the difference in obtaining promises. There was a precious lady saved in the tropical jungles of Africa. And she took Jesus seriously. And she began to study the Bible. And she read it carefully. And uh, she studied about the prayer sections. And she knew how to pray. One day her little child got very, 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 very sick. And the temperature went up and went up and went up and, and the, the doctors said that there's, there's no way that this child can live unless we could get some ice so that the child's temperature could drop. Well, she said, that's no problem, I'll pray. <laughs> well, the missionary said, but now, now lady, there's no ice anywhere in Africa. We don't have any ice in this area. There's no ice. Uh, oh, she said, that's no problem. God said, whatever I ask in faith believing, he'd give me. I'm going to ask. And they all looked at her, and she prayed. And you know what God did? He sent a severe tropical storm, and there was a hail storm, and she went out and collected enough hail in buckets to put around her little son so that the temperature went down. Faith makes the difference. She believed God. Secondly, faith makes the difference in righteous living. How can I live a righteous life? How can I overcome this sin, this old habit? Why, I hear the preachers talking about it, and I read in the Bible that, that a man must be holy. Uh, I beg you, I, I, I beseech you to present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Why, I've had this old habit for 40 years. How can I get rid of it? Or years ago, I got on some drugs, and I don't know how to get off of them. Or I like liquor, and I nip at it, and it's got the best of me, and I don't know what to do about it. Or I've got this old habit of cursing. Or I've got this old temper that I can't do anything about. What can I do about it? Faith makes the difference in righteous living. The Bible says that Moses, when he was come to age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible says that one of Jesus' great, 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 great grandmothers by human descent was a harlot, a prostitute in Jericho.
And when the men of God came and said, we're going to take Jericho, that woman's heart was greatly exercised. And she opened that heart, and God changed her. And she put a scarlet thread in the window, symbolizing the blood. And Rahab had her life changed. There may be somebody to whom I'm speaking this morning who has had a tough time with the sins of the flesh, and you've given away to them, and you've wished somehow you could talk about it. You can't even talk about it. You don't know what to say about it. You have no one to talk to about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to Jesus about it. And Jesus will help you. Faith makes the difference in righteous living. God changed Stephen. God changed Philip. He put holiness in their lives. He put righteousness in their lives. And they became the kind of men that God could use. Stephen got some backbone in his back and he went out as one of the first deacons and gave his testimony on the street corner. <laughs> some of our men were at Criswell Institute. They came back telling us about holding street services. I said, now how did you do that? Just what did you do? And they said, well, we just went out, a group of us went out on the street and just stood there and started preaching. And a crowd came. You know, occasionally that's done over at Western. Everybody makes fun, laughs at them. Years ago, I used to see it a lot in Louisville. I don't ever see it here in Bowling Green. But some people have had their lives changed. Did you know Stephen did that? Just stood on the street corner and gave his testimony and people laughed at him and scoffed at him and, and they started stoning him. And there was a man over there named Saul and they laid their clothes down at his feet. And while he was dying, Stephen said, I see Jesus, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus stood in honor of that first Christian martyr, a deacon. Where'd Stephen get that power? Faith. Faith. Faith makes the difference. My dear friend, you don't have that courage. You don't have that grace. You don't have that strength. Faith gives it to you. It all is a faith. Faith makes the difference. Paul was in a Roman prison. He had said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He had gone to Jerusalem. The tide of opinion turned against him. He was arrested. A riot developed. And finally he was smuggled out of Jerusalem. And now he was a prisoner. And later he had to appeal to Caesar. And from chapter 23 to 28, we read about his stormy trip to Rome. And now Paul is in Rome, and in a little while, he'll die for his faith. He'll die. There's no way out. Nobody's going to come and rescue him. And incidentally, it's interesting to note that Timothy had to take some medicine for his illness. And Timothy couldn't pray his way, Paul couldn't pray his way out of the jail the last time. 
These people that tell you that if you have enough faith, you can always get well. I had a dear lady in our church several years ago who was very, very sick. She's gone to be with the Lord now. And she was sick, had a very serious illness. And, and, and on her sickbed, some people came and surrounded her and said, now if you have enough faith, you can pray and we'll pray with you and you'll get well. And she called me in, in tears and said, is it because I don't have enough faith that I can't get well? My beloved, not everybody gets well. Not everybody gets out of prison. But faith can be with you and be your bulwark and your strength and your buckler when you go down into the valley of the shadow. And Paul prayed. And Paul gave him the kind of, God gave him the kind of grace that he could say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Faith makes the difference in righteous living. Faith makes the difference in looking for a city. I'm looking for a city. Are you? A city whose founder and builder is God. Faith makes the difference. Has it made a difference in our lives? Has it made a difference in our church? Has it made a difference in the lives of young people, in the lives of adults, in the lives of leadership, in the lives of each of us? Has faith made a difference? I want to leave with you today a burden. God, make me a man, make me a woman of faith. It all begins by yielding your heart to Jesus Christ. You can't have faith without Jesus because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's it. And if you do not have Jesus, you do not have faith. That was the difference in the Old Testament. Men in the Old Testament were not saved by their works. Abraham wasn't saved because he was a good man. He was a liar. David wasn't saved because he was a good man. He was an adulterer. Rahab wasn't saved because she was a good person. She was a prostitute. But God saved them by faith. These were men and women who looked by faith down to the cross. And when Abraham was about to plunge that knife into his son, and God said, wait a minute, Abraham, now I know you're a man of faith. I know whom you love the most. Don't touch that boy. Over in the bull, over in the in the uh, bush, bushes, there was a scapegoat. And God said, put that scapegoat on the altar. Let your boy go loose. And that scapegoat was a symbol of the Son of God who would come and give his life, his blood for the world. And Abraham was a man of faith. Rahab was a woman of faith. Elijah was a man of faith. Deborah was a woman of faith. And on and on and on, we could read in this book, by faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they overcame. By faith, they looked for a city. What's God asking you to do? Don't say, Lord, I don't have the gifts, and I don't have the talents, and I don't have this, and I don't have that. Just say, Lord, give me the faith, and I'll do it for you.
Do you know God can keep families together by faith? God can change the heart of a man. God can change the heart of a woman. God can change the heart of teenagers. I know a young person who was rebellious, out of kelter with his family. And listen, when you get rebellious, remember, you're not mad at your mother and daddy. That's not the problem. You're mad at God. That's the problem. And God moved in on that young person. And pretty soon, they became obedient. A person of faith. It begins by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you done that? Would you today just say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. And we pray, every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we pray today that thou wilt make us men and women of faith, teenagers of faith, young people of faith, children of faith, a church of faith. And may we yield all there is of us to all there is of thee. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come to thee. This is God's invitation. I'd like to request that we not leave during the singing of this hymn because the Lord is speaking. There's somebody here who needs to come and say, I want to be that man of faith, that woman of faith. I want God to give me overcoming grace. Would you pray to that end? I feel impressed to say this. There may be someone here or within the sound of my voice who has a serious illness. I want to ask you to be a person of faith. That could mean healing. It could mean death. God does not promise to heal everybody, but he promises to give you faith. If you will exercise what little faith you have, it'll grow and give you spiritual power and strength. And accept it. Now there's someone here who has who needs to come and confess Christ as your personal Savior. And you say, well, I'm a little bit afraid. I'm afraid of all the people. God will give you faith to walk down the aisle to take that stand, if you'll let him. There's someone here, God has spoken to you about a deeper walk with Jesus. Or he has spoken to you about his will for your life. Would you come and say, by the grace of God, I want to put my life on the line for God. God will help you. While we begin to sing, is there someone who will come quickly? Who will come first today? Will you come?